Hi, this is Jeff Allen Ross, formerly of Badfinger and musical director for Peter Asher. And I'm here on the podcast, Follow Your Dream with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. And my guest today is Kate Taylor, Sister Kate, the female star of the illustrious Taylor family, which includes James and Livingston. Kate became a star with her 1971 debut album, Sister Kate, which was produced by Peter Asher. And I loved that album when it came out. That album featured her take on songs by her brother James, by Elton John, by Carole King and others. She then took some time off from performing to raise her daughters, but now she's back in the groove with her album, Why Wait? again produced by Peter Asher. And as you know, I like to do what I call a song fest in the middle of all my episodes with my musician guests. And I've asked Kate to pick out a handful of her best works. We're gonna play a little bit of them. We're gonna talk about them. You're gonna get the backstories and nobody else does this in podcasts, I assure you. And you also know by now that I like to feature a song of mine in every episode underneath the introduction and at the end and i always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest and in this instance my featured song is something i wrote called stockbridge fanfare from the east side sessions album by my band project grand slam it's a song that i wrote about one of my favorite places in the world the town of stockbridge in western Massachusetts in the Berkshire Mountains where I live and it's just a hop skip and a jump from where Kate's brother James lives so I thought that it was a perfect choice for this episode so Kate Taylor welcome to the follow your dream podcast hi Robert thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it I I got a chance to listen to your podcast with my dear friend Jeff Alan Ross and I loved how how you and he were able to you know tell share the stories and get back and forth about it all so I'm, I'm delighted to be here well I'm so glad you're here and you're right that, that that's what this podcast is all about I like to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, just have some fun let's entertain people so it's it's perfect to have you on here and I wanted to ask this question you come from this musical family You've got four brothers, okay? One of whom is one of the greatest artists in the history of the world. What was it like <laughs> for you growing up in there? Did they give you some room? Did they give you space? Oh, they was they were, you know, I couldn't ask for finer brothers. Every single one of them is a jewel, you know, unto themselves. And as a group, it's it's they're unstoppable. We lost our dear oldest, you know, oldest brother Alex in uh 93. And so, uh, you know, we soldier on, but, uh, but we were, we were, there were five of us that were born within six years. So we were very tight and 
I like to think that even though we're kind of far flung and we don't see each other that often, that we are still to this day very, very tight. And uh, and uh, you know, I, of course, it's it's just unbelievable what's happened. What you know that that James has has revealed, you know, has you know, I don't know if it's revealed himself, but just been able to be this magnificent musician and poet that he is, and entertainer. And Livingston is masterful and extraordinary and hilarious and, uh, you know, writes incredible songs. And, and yes, and, you know, then I sort of, uh, I kind of tag along, I guess, uh, you know, James was the one, it was James who introduced me to Peter at the very beginning of uh, this whole, this whole thing. I was, I was incorrigible as a uh, youngster. I sang constantly and my friends tell me they I just would not stop and you know it never occurred to me uh that this could be you know um sort of flower and the thing that it's that it is today James was signed to the Beatles album he met Peter and you know through a mutual friend of Danny Korchmar and I thought well you know I better go over there and make sure they're treating him right uh, so I popped on over, I was probably 18 years old, popped over there to London and uh, yes, they were treating him right. And uh, I got a chance to meet Peter. Uh, I, I was, James was, James and I were going up the stairway at, at Apple Records and who's coming down the stairway but Ringo Starr. You never forget your first Beatle. I'm sure you're right about that. I have to stop you for a second. I got to tell you a little James story of my own, okay? I went to college in Boston, and one night in the middle of a week, and it was in the late 60s, my roommate and I decided to go to one of the dive places in Boston to hear some music. And we went to a place called the Psychedelic Supermarket, okay, (laughs) which was nothing more than like a bomb shelter in Kenmore (laughs) Square. And we walked in, maybe there were three or four people in the place, but there was a guy up on the stage, sitting on a stool with his guitar singing. No. He was James Taylor. Come on. And nobody knew who he was because this was, I guess, before Sweet Baby James came out. Anyway, we sat there for a couple of hours listening to him. And I said, this guy is magnificent. I mean, he knocked us out. The next week, he played at the Bitter End in New York City. Maybe there were 10 people. And then the next time after Sweet Baby James came out, it was a whole different world. So that was my little James Taylor vignette. You got a chance to see him in the very first moments of what, you know, was this incredible career. Yep. What has been this. He he came to the planet fully formed. I mean, he <laughs> <laughs> from from, you know, from just you know, an early, early age that the, the, the musical promise that he sh- exhibited was, was um, undeniable. And, uh, and then on the, he played cello, his first instrument was cello. And then he and Danny Korchmar were good pals on Martha's Vineyard in the summertime. And Danny had started to play the, uh, the guitar and the two of them, you know, learned the guitar and became some, became a duo. It was, they called themselves James and Cooch. And they played, uh, you know, various coffee houses around the vineyard. And and then uh, Danny introduced him to Peter. And Peter 
introduce them to the Beatles and, you know, the rest is uh, history. All right. So tell me how you fit into all of this, because here it is. It's the early 70s. He's become a star or he's in the process of becoming a star. You meet Peter Asher and you do that great album, Sister Kate. So tell us about that. Well, you know, James and I were there in London. We and we uh, we went. We were invited out to Peter's summer cottage in the countryside. It's beautiful, bucolic scene. You know, it was early June. I just we there was it was a late afternoon, and back in the back out in the backyard was this stone lined swimming pool, empty. And James and I went down into that swimming pool, and we just started singing some songs from this beautiful echo chamber of the swimming pool. And, uh, you know, we there were songs that we did when we were kids together, you know, the Staples singer tunes. And I mean, we probably did that Mockingbird, you know, that uh, Charlie Nine as Fox tune and uh, a number of, you know, songs. And and then I, I ended up, you know, a little while later flying back home to the vineyard and uh, the phone rang and it was Peter and he, said that he was moving to Los Angeles and did I want to make a record? And I said, let me think about it. Yes. Did you think very long about it? No. Uh, <laughs> unless Libby says we're circus folk, you know, he says, I've never met a microphone or a camera that I didn't love. So, <laughs> but anyway, so yes, I went out to Los Angeles and what a great time. 1969, 1970, excellent time to be out in L.A. All these musicians, it was kind of a, you know, uh, meeting place, uh, you know, uh, 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 folks from all over the country, wonderful musicians, songwriters were coming to Los Angeles to uh, start careers. And uh, so I was there with, you know, the Eagles before they were anywhere near forming themselves as a band. But in the process of the time that I was there, they did become a band and, you know, magnificent. And uh, James, of course, and Jackson Brown and Linda Ronstadt. And, you know, these were all people who were all hanging out at the Troubadour and and uh, making records. And, you know, isn't it amazing the conglomeration of people that you just named that all came together at that one magical time and look how they exploded into the world. I know it's it's it was it was like it was you know one of those that would LA at that time was like Memphis or like Macon Georgia or you know these places where Nashville where the energy is just totally conducive to making to having these artists gather and inspire each other and make music and uh, it's incredible so I uh Jackson Brown and Joni Mitchell and James had all had their very first songs that had ever been recorded and published by somebody all on the same record. And that was a Tom Rush record. Really? I didn't know that. I had, as a as a as a teenager, I had been a huge Tom Rush fan and I went to a concert of his and I uh, was a, probably 13 and, and he was he was just down the street. He was playing. He must have he must have been about 18 and he was playing down the street. And uh, Fritz Richmond, who played the wash tub bass with the, uh, what's the name of that band? Uh, Jim Quest and Jug Band. Anyway, Jim, Fritz was playing with him and the show was going on. Everybody's excited, packed. And, he, and then he introduced the song, I Wish I Could Shimmy Like My Sister Kate. I may be late, but I'll be up to date. 
And I shrieked, you know, and ever, you know, and ever since then, I sort of took on this moniker of Sister Kate. So that's how that that title came about for that. I see. That's how you got it, huh? Uh, all right. But the fact that I am a sister to all these brothers, uh, it, you know, it fits. So James and, and Joni and Jackson, you know, he, Tom really did sort of catapult these incredible artists. He, Tom was another one. He could, he could see, he could hear a great song. You know, he knew. And um, so anyway, there it was with all these people and James really helped Peter uh, and I put together this demo that we made for uh, Atlantic Records and Peter took the demo to Ahmed Erdogan and, and Ahmed said, yeah, this sounds great, let's let's do it. And so we we started on this record, the Sister Kate record. And in the meantime, I had, you know, Carol King, King came in and played some uh, keyboards, piano on my, I sang a couple of her numbers on that record and she came in on the studio and played uh, piano on them. You know, I have to stop you for a second. James in concert, I've seen him in concert, of course, a number of times, but he tells this very funny story about how he asked Carol King if she minded if he recorded You've Got a Friend before she did. And she was very gracious, of course, and she said, no, 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 please go ahead. And he said, little did I know that I would be singing that song every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But I mean, think about it. You had on that album, uh, Sister Kate, which we're talking, there's 1971. It was a great album, as I said. I, I knew that album right from the beginning. So you, you had songs by James. You had songs by Elton John. You had songs by Carole King. I mean, who chose them? Were these all your suggestions or did Peter lend an ear to this whole thing? How did that come about? Peter is another one who can who can recognize a great song. And he sometimes has songs in sort of his back pocket. He's just waiting for the, you know, the right artist to come along to sing them. And then he, he has great suggestions for songs. He's a wonderful producer. You know, he also somebody who came out fully formed. I mean, you know, from record one, that guy was an incredible producer. Or not to mention as Peter and Gordon, you know, the hits that they had together. Anyway, so he, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy and, and uh, incredible uh, producer and. And so he brought quite a few of the songs, and then I brought some. It was probably half and half, but together we went to the Troubadour to see Elton John play his first show in in America. Right. And he blew these the roof off the place, and uh, it was very exciting. Well, I, I I heard Elton singing this one song on the set that really resonated with me, and I hope. I, you know, I really, I said to Peter, Gee, I wish I could sing that song, record that tune. And Peter said, well, I know his manager. Why don't we invite them over and, you know, we can hang out and you can ask him. And I said, that would be great. So he did, they did, I did. And then we did, we record, you know, I asked him and he's Elton John said, certainly that would be great. And uh, so we put on, we put Country Comfort on the, on the album. Country comforts and a 
That was a great song. No question about it. It's a great song. And and, and uh, it re it resonated with me because I, as much as I loved being in Los Angeles, I really was homesick for New England, where I had moved from Chapel Hill. You know, kind of made it my permanent home, and so I was I was missing that. But I, and you know, that song really really uh, reminded me of that 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 life. And so so then when I was uh, the record was out, or just freshly out. And my and I was in L.A. putting a band together for the tour and my father came out to visit and we were driving around in Los Angeles on the freeway. And he said, Kate, what would you like to see happen with this uh, this career you're embarking on? And I said, Dad, having four brothers, what I'd like to see is when I start singing in the car and somebody leans over and turns on the radio, that it be me on the radio. And so. He kind of laughed and he leaned over and he turned on the radio and it was me on the radio. <laughs> I don't know how you managed that, but that was kismet, wasn't it? Yeah, that was pretty good. So my so that was, you know, that song, uh, Country Comfort that was on the radio. Hi everybody, this is your host, Robert Miller. I'm pleased to tell you that I've got a new album called Bobby M and the Paisley Parade. It features 10 new songs, plus guest appearances by John Helliwell of Supertramp, Tony Carey of Rainbow, and international sitar sensation, Deobrat Mishra. The album has a definite 60s vibe, and the theme of the record is all about relationships and love. It may just be my best album ever. The reviewers agree. Indie Shark calls it Album of the Year. Big Celebrity Buzz says it's one of the great rock sets of the year. And Pop Icon calls it an adventure that keeps us on the edge of our seats. How about that? And for me, the icing on the cake is the praise that the album has received from world-class musicians like Steve Hackett of Genesis, Gary Puckett of The Union Gap, Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul and Mary, Jim McCarty of The Yardbirds, and David Liebert of The Happenings. I'm going to release the 10 songs on the album in a novel way in five special episodes of this podcast featuring two songs in each one. So be on the lookout for these special episodes of Bobby M and the Paisley Parade. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast and please sign up for our weekly emails previewing each episode and much more. The links are all in the show notes. I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. All right. I want to get to the second part of our talk here because we've got some great music that I want to play for people. And the first thing that we're going to be playing right now comes off of that Sister Kate album, your first album. It's a James song called You Can Close Your Eyes.
So tell me about how you chose that and what your recollections are of that song all these years later. Well, you know, uh, there I was with Peter in Los Angeles and James had been quite, you know, generous in his help of, and support for me, of me in this, in the project. He was on a location doing this movie, Tulane Blacktop at the time. And he, he made a little cassette recording of that song in the hotel room. And I still have the lyrics he wrote out on the motel stationery. And he sent the uh, the cassette and the and the lyrics out to us in California, and it was, you know, you can close your eyes, and we just, oh my God, you know, how do you beat this? And we made the out, we made the song, uh, recorded the tune, and you know, I must have sung it a thousand times since, you know, to my kids when they were going to sleep, and uh, you know, to audiences, and it's a it's a wonderful song. I hope you still have that piece of paper with the original lyrics on it, because if you put that on eBay, you could probably send one of your kids to college or <laughs> grandchildren or whatever. That's it. My grandkids. <laughs> fun. That's it. So it's on that little piece of paper. There you go. I'm telling you, you got something worth a lot of money there to have the original lyrics to that song. Anyway, that was a terrific song again. Let's go to the next song. I think this was one of your hits. You did a cover of It's In His Kiss, the Shoop Shoop song. Oh, yeah. And uh, you got James in there as well. So tell us about that one. Well, James, you know, I did the song, the record with Peter and then I did a tour and then I came back and I said, you know, I, I, I need some grounding. I, this is, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta uh, put my feet down on the ground. I, I'm just, uh, I was flying, you know, I was very, I was an excitable girl. Let's say, but put it that way. <laughs> So, so I, you know, one thing led to another and I, I, you know, starting a family. I mean, I was, all these things happened and, and uh, I was living in a teepee and uh, in the summer. Wait a minute, stop, stop. You were living where? In a teepee. In a teepee? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I came home from that first tour after the Sister Kate tour and I went into a friend's teepee and I sat down next to that little fire in the middle and looked out at the cosmos, you know, at the, at the smoke hole. I said, I got to have one. So I went and got some canvas and I found a space that was big enough to lay it out. And I hand stitched a teepee and we went to Maine. I got the poles and beautiful poles that grow up there in a you know, dense forest and um, brought them down to the vineyards, took the bark off them, put them up, put the teepee up. And, uh, you know, six years later, he comes, he came into my teepee yard and he said, uh, Kate, <laughs> He said, I'm changing record labels. And one thing that they've offered me is the opportunity to produce somebody, you know, or an artist. And, and uh, 
would you like to make a record? And I said, that sounds great, James. And, and it was actually Livingston who suggested that we do that duet of It's In His Kiss. Really? Okay. And so we, we, uh, we, we recorded that tune. We were in there. I, you know, one observation that Peter made was, where are the shoop shoops? Because in my version, there's no shoop shoops. Well, I'll tell you what, we were recording some uh, background you know, uh, vocals in the in the studio at Atlantic Studios it, it, uh, for, for the records on Columbia. So anyway, or whatever it's called now. So anyway, we were in the studio, it was about two o'clock in the morning, you know, I'm bleary eyed as it is. And in the studio comes Mick Jagger. I couldn't, I, I was speechless, which is rare. I was speechless. I couldn't, uh, I was like, bah, 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 bah. You know, if I've been <laughs> in my restaurant, I, because I think that's why we just, you know, never got the shoop shoops on. Uh, it was just, that was it. Couldn't do any more <laughs> So he came in. Did he record on that song with you? No, no. But you know what? I should have asked him, let's call him in to get, a, to get his boys on there. That's right. That would have been something else. All right. But listen, it's a fun song. And, you know, uh, doing these these updated covers of some of those great songs from the late 50s and early 60s, it's just it's something I love. And I know James has done a, a several of them in his career going forward. So I think it was a marvelous selection on your part. Well, thank you. Well, those songs are there's so many great songs out there and it's it's really fun to sing them. And th they were songs that were written that just brought a smile on your face, okay? You hear a song like that, you can't help but feel good and smile. Am I right? You're right, man. That's it. Okay. You got it. All right. So speaking of great songs, let's go to the next one. This is your song called Beautiful Road. Traveling down the highway landscape mirrors how I feel I've got wide open valleys and high walls of stone sometimes I can see forever down this beautiful road tell us about that one yeah this is a song actually that was written by a gal named Erica Wheeler and I had you know my I, I after James did, James and I did that record, and then I did another record for Columbia um, in the late 70s called, uh, down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And then I had my two greatest hits, namely my two daughters. So I was home, you know, appearing nightly in my kitchen. And, you know, <laughs> so, so every so often, you know, we had a little combo of, of musicians that we worked with occasionally, you know, when we could, but it was, you know, things were pretty much on the back burner. Then the recording gear got smaller and the kids got bigger. And uh, one of the guys that I was working with was a fellow named Tony Garnier, and he's the bass player and music director for Bob Dylan. And when he's off the road with Bob, he'd, he'd work with us some. And, uh, and Arlen Roth and Tom Hambridge, who's an amazing songwriter and drummer. Anyway, so we were, uh, we, you know, would, would play sometimes. Well, you know, uh, it was hard to find time to work with Tony, but it was, it was hard to, to, you know, hard not to work with Tony because he was, he's so good. So we heard on the radio that Bob Dylan had to cancel a tour because of a heart uh, 
infection. It was back in uh, the mid nineties. So, you know, my husband, Charlie, he sits up bolt upright in bed and he said, we've got to make a record, you know, cause we knew T Tony was off the road. So we gathered the band and we got everybody into the, into a living room down the street and we put the gear in. Uh, we even got Chuck Lavelle to come up from um, Georgia and play keyboards. Anyway, that beautiful man. Anyway, so we started this record. And then, uh, of course, thankfully, Dylan got well, but it meant, oh, because Tony ended up laying down the tracks, but he ended also being the, he's the also the co-producer on that album, which is called Beautiful Road. So he got called back on the road with Bob. So we had to sort of wait until he had came back home to keep working on the record. And, you know, time went on. And uh, I got a chance to hear in the middle of all that, um a this song beautiful road written by erica wheeler and just playing that song that is humdinger i want to sing that tune and so she was very gracious and said by all means and and we put it on the record and it ended up being the um title track for the album yeah, it's a lovely lovely song very good choice as a title track all right the next one i spoke to kate in advance and i said i found a video from 1980, where she's singing with her brothers. And I said, I got to use something like that because everybody, I think, would love to hear a little bit of you with your brothers. And then you came back and you said, wait a minute, I've got another song called A Fool in Love. Yes. That's got almost all of your brothers on it. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, you know, when our mother was and father were very interested in us having a, an expansive, you know, exposure to all kinds of music. And so we had a lot of different kinds of records in the house and we, different musical performance experiences that we got to go see and hear. And, uh, but there was one record that our mother was kind of hesitant to about encouraging us to hear. And that was the Ike and Tina Turner record, Dynamite. And so, of course, it was a record that we definitely I wanted. Have. <laughs> and I have, been, I have been singing songs off that album ever since. And this one, Just a Fool, is, is on that record. Well, it's a very, very upbeat R&B kind of thing with your brothers in there. Really cool to have that in this podcast. I know. How lucky can one gal be? I mean, exactly. Really? I, it, you know, it's too much. I mean, you're singing with some of the greatest artists of our era. By the way, we, we haven't spoken that much about Livingston, but he's a terrific artist in his own right. He played up at, at one of the big theaters in the Berkshires, and I saw him a couple of years ago, and he was just terrific. He is terrific. He's hilarious and masterful and uh, just brings his audience so deeply into himself. You know, it's like James, you know, they 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 uh they both have that gift. Totally. All right. So we're gonna move forward to where you are these days because you went out and you did another album with Peter Asher. This is like 50 years after Sister Kate. 
And I want you to talk about that, but we've got a song from that album called I Will Follow. And I didn't know the song when you first suggested it to me. I looked it up on YouTube. You've got this wonderful video that goes along with it. And it's really a spectacular song. Tell us about that one. Well, I will follow. It's written by uh, James, and it was recorded with Peter, what was James's producer, on one of his records that happened to include that tune. And Peter had always wanted to do the song again with with another artist, and uh, uh, he brought it to the table for the what we were discussing what songs to to put on our new collaboration. And uh, I loved the song, always have loved the song and had not really ever thought about singing it myself, but I really love singing it. I, I, it's in the show now and it's, it really feels good to sing it. And of course, you know, there's something very intimate about singing the, singing the songs of, written by somebody else, because especially someone like James, because the, you know, it's like putting on his coat, you know, you really get to feel you know, or it may be through my own, my own lens, you know, my own interpretation to, to an extent, I guess, uh, what he mean, what he meant when he wrote it. And I like to think that it's a song that he, it's a love song he has for his um, audiences. You know, like you just said, it's one thing to do uh, somebody's song, but you have such a, a, an intimate relationship with somebody like James, you know, having grown up together and, and, and played together and recorded together. So it's got to have a deeper meaning to you than it would to almost anybody else. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe so, but I, and uh, all of those things are true that I had, you know, my whole life, he's been right there. And, uh, but, but the fact is that his songs are so personal to so many people that, that I'm, I'm sure I'm just like everybody else, you know, when it comes. You're a fan like everybody else, huh? Yeah. Well, listen, it's been, I'm a fan of yours that much. I want to let you know. And we have been speaking here with the brilliant Kate Taylor. I thank you so much for being on this podcast and sharing all your stories with us. It's been wonderful. It's wonderful to speak with you, Robert, and I hope I get to see you down that beautiful road. I hope so, too. And now we're going to listen to the song that started off this episode. It's my song called Stockbridge Fanfare. I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. No. Oh.
changes on Main Street for years, though Alice doesn't live there anymore. And Norman's moved just a few miles away, but the red lion still does roar. There's hills and Oh, 